uh, Hillary has been lengthening her excuses as to why uh, she lost the election. She didn't really lose the election. It was stolen from her uh, by, I think it's up to 24 different excuses she has now. Number 24 is content farms in Macedonia. And uh, as I said, uh, my grandfather was a uh, Macedonian content farmer. And uh, we often think about, you know, gathering on the porch and recalling the old days on the Macedonian con- I never thought, he never thought that the old content farmers he left behind in Macedonia would one day steal the U.S. presidential election. They are gnarled, hardworking Macedonian peasants. The way they were able to reach It is now September. Folks are back from vacation. The kids are off to school. And October is next month. However, and according to media reports, quote, Finland's foreign minister said on Friday his EU colleagues were increasingly hopeful they could eventually move towards membership talks with North Macedonia and Albania, though he gave no timeline, unquote. Meaning... Will Macedonia get a date for the opening of EU accession talks next month with the ongoing Boki 13, Katice and Eva Zoranzaev scandal continuing to unfold? Will the star of Kudlesh make a comeback among Macedonians even as the government of Zoranzaev continues to ban it? The answer to that question is a bold hell yeah! As citizens, fed up with Zaev and his government ministers telling them what history they can claim and celebrate and what history they cannot, are using the star of Kutlesh more often and in more public settings. And that is appropriate, because we are rapidly coming up on September 8, Macedonia's Independence Day. As Nikola Dimitrov said in 2002, when he was the Macedonian ambassador to the United States of America, quote, Matters of history are for historians to answer. They cannot be answered by political resolution or declaration, unquote. Apparently, and now that he is the foreign minister, he no longer believes that. Of course, the only thing Nikola Dimitrov believes in is the advancement of Nikola Dimitrov. We'll discuss all of this and more in this episode of the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. I'm Jason Miko, coming to, to you from the foot of the Catalina Mountains in Oro Valley, Arizona. And this is Svetan Sulemanov calling in from Skopje, Macedonia. How you doing? Yeah, great. Uh, coming from the most interesting country in the world, it's, uh, <laughs> I'm doing very, very good. Yes, well, there's no there, lack of entertainment here. Yeah, I know. Well, my goodness, we got we got a whole lot to discuss. Yeah, now last week, of course, we did a kind of a catch-up podcast. You had been traveling and whatnot, and so it was uh, mm. kind of um, uh, a rehash of, of things that had gone on through uh, early mid-August. Now here we are, the beginning of September. I should mention that we're recording this. This is episode number thirty-nine. We are recording this uh, on Sunday, September one. I said in the monologue, the kids are back to school. Obviously, this is going to drop tomorrow, Monday, September Mm. 2. The kids will be back in school in Macedonia. Uh, Here in the United States, it's a holiday, Labor Day, so the kids will be back in school on Tuesday, although so many of them are already back in school. But Mm. but we've got... We've got a lot to talk about in this podcast, from from the the Boki 13 scandal to uh, what I mentioned, the star of Kutlesh, I saw Nikola Dimitrov was with the Greek foreign minister, Alexander Soros was in Macedonia, uh, Big yeah. Mike was in Macedonia, Matthew Palmer <laughs> was not in Macedonia, but he's the new Department of State Special coming. Representative for the Western Balkans. Blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Uh, yep. let's, start with, let's start with Boki 13. What's the latest? Uh, he's still in prison, still Good. hasn't been interrogated. Uh, no? Nope. Uh, 
not much new coming, uh, particularly on his end of the scandal. There is just there was just some report that there was a curious uh, movement of government ministers of. Uh, all sorts of government officials, diplomats, to his house after he was arrested. So while he was in prison, apparently coming to meet with the family, assure them, or maybe go through his archives and his, uh, I don't know, basement vault or something. There, there, is, some, uh, there is some priest living next door who was, uh, who Boki attacked, uh, his father and Boki. Both of them attacked him, uh, I think like a year ago, over a stupid parking uh, uh, issue and uh, even you know injured him badly and uh, avoided uh, oh. any police scrutiny. I think they broke his ribs or his leg or something. Oh my goodness! And yeah, and uh, and now this guy is uh, obviously feeding information to the public. Who was <laughs> visiting Boki's house? <laughs> like he, he came out with this uh, uh, story that <laughs> there was a whole uh, line of uh, revolving door of government ministers and officials coming in and out of his house shortly after the arrest. Wow. And, okay, so now we know that he's, okay, so he's in prison. Uh, uh, Katita uh, Yaneva is theoretically, or supposedly in prison, although I hear now that there's some questions as to whether or not she's actually there or not. Um, yeah. Is she? We're not sure. I mean, uh, some guys uh, on the right were even jokingly offering to the prisoners, uh, offering them money if they could snap a picture of her, which which was rampant, happened all the time with Boki, yeah. with other high-profile uh, people who were arrested. Uh, I mean, these Kumanova terrorists, they're practically holding Facebook Live events from prison, so you know, oh. it's not like uh, difficult to snap a picture of a prisoner, but there is nothing on Katica, which rumored speculations that she might be held actually outside of the prison, uh, just uh, hi hidden from public view, but not actually uh, detained. The, the warden of the prison was uh, at pains to insist that uh, she is in prison, but it was difficult to find a room for her, so don't ask me where she actually is kept. And uh, famously, you know, the, the, warden's, uh, the warden is Issa Drakic, an SDSM official, whose brother was being arrested on drug smuggling charges in the past. And uh, Isad's uh, daughter, she works for Katica Yanova. So he's basically putting away uh, the person who hired his daughter on a <laughs> well-paid, well-remunerated job in the special prosecutor's office. So she's obviously getting the most favorable treatment imaginable, given this and also given everything she knows about Zayev. But yeah, we're not sure if she's in prison. Wow. Well, this almost, the whole prison arrangement stuff almost sounds like slightly a Jeffrey Epstein type of thing. But um, anyway, we'll leave that aside for right now. So so the two main characters in this unfolding and ongoing scandal are in prison. Um, the uh, There's still the issue of a new law on the special, on the public prosecutor, the special public prosecutor that has to be passed theoretically before the end of September, and we're now in September. Uh, my understanding is the Public Revenue Office is now investigating... Uh, Boki's charity, his TV station, and much more. Who knows what they're going to come up with. And again, you know, as we've talked about and, and has been coming out more and more in various media reports, I saw a, a Deutsche Welle Macedonian service a report that basically stated, how could it, it, it can't just be these two, plus uh, who was the other guy that was uh, is in detention as well? Um, Freaky, Ziki? Uh, Zuki. 
Zoran Milewski. Yeah. So so I can't it can't be the, just those three to pull off a uh, a, a racket of this size and scope. There's got to be yeah. much much more. And and of course you know speaking on you know Boki and Katica obviously they don't want to spend the rest of their lives in jail and they've got a lot of information. They, a knowledge of, of, of who else is involved and whatnot, at some point they're going to want to sing, I think. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but it uh, depends on how uh, hard are they being pressured. If Katic is not even in prison, yeah. uh, if this tax audit which you mentioned, it's actually, I mean, the, the lady who runs the tax uh, authority, she was actually pressured on this, and she said this defensively. She's not like forward, uh, outgoing, uh, in her investigation, the only person who was actually seemed to be forward and outgoing initially was Vilma Ruskovska. At the start, when she arrested Boki and she was uh, in your face <laughs> to all sorts of people uh, telling businesses that you have to come now to me and uh, tell me proactively that Boki was extorting money from you, otherwise you'll be liable for being part of his uh, scheme, etc. But right. she very quickly petered off. This trailed off very quickly. And now she does not really leave the impression that she was anxious or eager to arrest Katyzyanova. She stopped giving interviews mostly. Hmm. Otherwise, she was in the news all the time in the first few days. So, yeah, th right now there is very little uh, uh, feeling that the government is actively investigating the scandal, which makes sense given the government's involvement uh, in, the, in the heart of the scandal. So they might, they might not sing. I mean, they might... Uh, the information which is coming out since then is what uh, Orce Kamshev recorded from Boki, and now he is the one who is running the show. He has the information. Presumably, even the GPS tracking of the bag with the money allegedly leading to the government building. So, yeah, this is the information which we expect to drop, but uh, uh, he's the one who's running the show now, but nobody on the part of the government. Well, yeah, okay, so you bring up some good points, and obviously there, there's more questions uh, than answers so far. And as I mentioned in the opening monologue, so the EU uh, foreign ministers had a, I think it was an, in, they called it an informal meeting gathering uh, in Helsinki last week. Mm. Uh, uh, Nikola Dimitrov was there, uh, I believe, Johannes uh, used Balkan tactics, Han, of course. Uh, but uh, I guess is it Finland holds the rotating... Um, presidency of the EU right now. And so that's why it was hosted in Helsinki. And the foreign minister said, uh, you know, increasingly hopeful, blah, 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 uh, for EU, the opening of EU session talks with Macedonia and Albania, though he gave no timeline, quote unquote. And, and, and this all relates, of course, to the, uh, the Boki 13, Katitsi and Evazon Zayev scandal, because the longer this drags on, and I know the government knows this, the longer this drags on, the more questions there are, the more there's a quote-unquote media drip of information slowly coming out, the worse it is for them if they don't get to the bottom of this because that just casts a great amount of doubt on the EU countries that are already doubtful about opening up the session talks with Macedonia. Certainly some have already said no to Albania. That's kind of a separate issue because Eddie Rama is threatening to create greater Albania if Albania and Macedonia don't get opening the session talks at the same time in October. So, you know, I... I, I I just don't see it's in the government's interests to um, to let this thing drag on and leave these questions unanswered. But maybe they're just like deer in the headlights. Uh, they they just don't know what to do. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's part of it. They're deer in the headlights, but they're also maybe thinking, okay, we 
did our part by arresting Yanova. So maybe, uh, and you know, you saw all these ministers, they were giving these very positive statements, not, notably not the ones from the countries which are actually opposed to opening accession talks, such as France and the Netherlands, who have all the ammunition possible to block this, and quite right, rightfully so, if they, even if they don't go into the other big realm of uh, uh, political abuse and failing to meet European standards, which is the use of Balkan tactics against the opposition, the mass arrests of opposition officials, uh, that by itself should have torpedoed any request to open accession talks, but everybody's glossing this over, of course, uh, given the involvement of the internationals in the creation of the crisis. And then, uh, but then, you know, these two countries now have another very, um, you know, in-your-face scandal, which they can rely on if they want to, to block Macedonia from opening accession talks. And, you know, by, by any right, uh, they should. Right. And, and I think we, it's, it's fair to mention, although I, I don't want to get too deep into the weeds on this one, um, as it relates to Brexit and uh, the move, we didn't talk about it last week because it just happened last week, the, um, the move that uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, took with Parliament. I believe the, the word is prorogue. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Proroguing Parliament. Basically, uh, uh, putting an end to the yeah, current yeah. session... Uh, the Queen, so, so Parliament will be out of session from the middle of September to the middle of October. The Queen's speech will be on October 14th. Bottom line is all of that is designed to frustrate the Remainers and keep Britain in the, in, uh, the UK in the EU. That, that's going to have some effect in the decision-making process of all these EU countries as they decide whether or not to open up accession talks for Macedonia and Albania next month, October, even though today is only September 1. So... Um, <laughs> it just doesn't end, does it? Yeah, I suppose the U.S. is going to push for this for some reason. Uh, e even the U.K. Laugh laughably is giving statements that uh, accession talks should begin, <laughs> which is very amusing. But the U.S. has now apparently appointed uh, this bug-eyed diplomat, Matthew Palmer, uh, to the position he already holds, uh, uh, the Balkan, uh, the head of the Balkan desk in the State Department. But now they're giving him an additional title, like the special envoy for the Balkans. And uh, we'll see, I suppose, they're going to try and push the European countries on, on, on the issue. Yes, uh, Matthew Palmer, I like, I like the way you described him. Uh, yeah, his, his new title is Special Representative for the Western Balkans. Um, I think it's always useful to point out that Palmer, even though he is a seasoned State Department diplomat, is also a writer of fiction with yeah. such titles to his name as, quote, The Enemy of the Good, The American Mission, The Wolf of Sarajevo, among others. Uh, so <laughs> I've always thought it I've always thought it interesting just from just from a um, ethical standpoint that he can be a State Department official and diplomat and yet write yeah. uh, works of fiction. Uh, of course what the State Department is trying to do in Macedonia and elsewhere is a work of fiction. Um, but yeah, so anyway, so he's now in his official position. I think he's going to be in Slovenia later this week. I, and I don't know where else he's going to be. Hopefully, he'll stay away from Macedonia. Um, yeah, we, we'll have to probably do a tremendous act of self-sacrifice soon and, uh, you know, maybe spread out some of his books between the two of us and <laughs> try to read them. I, I was actually 
uh, checking uh, one of these on Amazon and uh, one of them is about a US diplomat fermenting a colored revolution in Kyrgyzstan. Seriously? The country where... Yeah, Which where, one? Funnily enough. Do you remember? Uh, sorry? Uh, oh, damn it. Uh, that's okay. So that, yeah, so that's where uh, our, our good friend, the former British ambassador to, the, to Macedonia, uh, Charles Garrett, is now. Yeah, <laughs> Charles so. Garrett is there now. Um, yeah. But he, he, he went straight out of the bat. He's not... Uh, I mean, they had active uh, campaigns in Kyrgyzstan to uh, uh, like create uh, like this SNL spin-off style uh, comedy shows, like like did like the embassies did in Macedonia as well. And I know I know this because the the two Americans who were who were doing this uh, were hired in Macedonia to do uh, this USAID-funded uh, US embassy-funded uh, uh, like um, mocking uh, news. Uh, uh, segments and before I, I checked them out and it said that before this they work in Kyrgyzstan so I mean the two countries are being we weirdly uh, exp exposed to similar types of uh, uh, destabilizing activities by the similar same people uh, to some extent but uh, Garrett as soon as he arrived there was this large style attempt to arrest the former president of Kyrgyzstan uh, a policeman was killed. The, the president was shooting at the police. Oh. They, it took them a few days to arrest him. He had his retinue shooting at the police. His security detail, it was a, a big mess. So we were joking that Charlie is not wasting his time in, in Kyrgyzstan. No, no. He's and, going straight to a coup. And, and maybe maybe Charlie read uh, Matthew Palmer's book about that. And that's where... Uh, Very yeah. likely. <laughs> we're going to have to do the same, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, well, now, now that you bring up Matthew Palmer, let's. Uh, I wanted to run through a couple of other folks before I get into we, before we get into an issue on on the Prespa and the Star of Kutlesh, as I mentioned in the opening monologue. I see that um, George Soros's um, son Alexander Soros was with Zoran Zaev uh, this past week. I don't know if that was actually in Macedonia or elsewhere. Um, uh, it seemed that it was in Macedonia, but they, I, I don't think they, they gave details. It no, like uh, she came here. No, they don't. Well, and this is interesting, and this kind of leads in, you know, and and. Obviously, we know that Alexander Soros is in Macedonia not to promote the interests of Macedonia, but to promote the interests of his father, George Soros. Uh, sure. I don't think the uh, government put out a press release as they usually do. They're very good. They got a very hey, look. I give credit where it's due. They've got a very good public relations spin machine. Um, oh yeah, Zoran Zaev. And so, but I don't think he put out anything about meeting with Alexander Soros for obvious reasons. He also didn't put out, uh, or his gov the government didn't put out a press release. When he met with um, uh, Big Mike, um, Michael yeah. Big Mike Stramitis, I guess is how you pronounce his last name, um, who yeah, was I suppose he's some Greek guy or something. Which is yes, you know, I was looking at that name and I was thinking that's either Latvian, Lithuanian, or Greek. I'm not sure which. Um, but uh, Big Mike, who also goes by the name of Marijuana Don, uh, flew into Macedonia last week on his. Um, Gulfstream, whatever, and uh, met with Zoranzaev. The government of Zoranzaev did not put out a press release, of course, and so the only reason that we know about this is because Big Mike himself likes to uh, use his Instagram and Twitter account to promote himself and his business. Um, and anyway, he flew there to talk about basically turning Macedonia into one big marijuana field. Uh, he met with Zaev, he met with the health minister, uh, and um, I thought it was interesting, Svetin, that uh, one of the media outlets that we, we like to talk about and criticize, Balkan Insight, did a story on this. And according to Balkan yep. Insight, quote, 
The government just said that its representatives, including the Prime Minister, have working meetings on economic matters on a daily basis, and that they have no obligation to inform the public about them, uh, <laughs> unquote, which I thought was great for Balkan Insight. So the, the government has no obligation to inform the public about what's going on in the, gov in the government. Uh, uh, but Big Mike, I think it's worth pointing out, let's, let's, uh, so he flew into Macedonia to talk about turning Macedonia into one giant big cannabis field. Uh, but here's something interesting about Big Mike. Uh, in his own words, Big Mike says, um, quote, Then in 1993, a warrant was issued for my arrest for a 1,896 plant grow in the Midwest. I fled the state, then the country. As a fugitive, I lived on the lam under seven different fake identities until my arrest in 2001. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police, DEA, FBI, and over a dozen other agencies took part in the investigation and subsequent bust. The RCMP, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, estimated that over the previous <laughs> the year... Yes. Over the previous year, the illicit organization I ran trafficked $50 million worth of PC bud... I lost everything and sat in jail for months. This is, unquote, this is Zoran Zaev's friend and possibly investor in Macedonia. Uh, yeah. The man's a scumbag. Yeah, this came just as the uh, a minister, a government minister who was actually tasked with bringing actual legitimate investments, mm -hmm. the kind of which we got used to under Nikola Gruevsky, like these large you manufacturing know, factories, companies, yeah, right. hiring hundreds of people, thousands uh, at times, and she was asked, hey, can you tell us uh, how many factories have you opened? Well, about 30. Can you name any of them? And she makes this the funniest face imaginable, like completely stumped. Then she's recorded uh, complaining to the journalist. Oh, it was not fair to ask me this kind of question. Uh, so they got nothing on the actual proper uh, blue-collar manufacturing front. But they have this type of people coming here. Uh, obviously, he was not meeting... Uh, Zayev in Zayev's capacity as prime minister, but in Zayev's capacity of a businessman whose family is actually investing yes. in the same marijuana business, which is so thoroughly regulated, so you cannot open a competing uh, ma marijuana plantation or whatever in the country without the, the approval of the government. So mm -hmm. Zayev is doing business in a highly regulated environment, which guarantees that he will be the only one who can uh, access, I don't know, the resources needed, the, the land he needs, or get a permit to, uh, to produce the stuff. Uh, and then the other issue here is that, uh, I mean, how much money can you actually make out of cannabis oil, which we are allegedly, which is allegedly the only thing we are growing? Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure, given the experience with uh, neighboring Albania, and I was just checking, Alexander Soros was meeting Edi Rama in Albania before ah. he flew to Skopje. Um, this will definitely lead to, uh, you know, if, if the market is much more lucrative in selling marijuana for smoking instead of just using it as cannabis oil, uh, I'm pretty sure this is going to, at the, the very least, is going to lead to this vaping of uh, marijuana-infused uh, joints like uh, Vaping, uh, vaping devices, mm. at the very least, yeah. and, and very likely it's going to lead to actual smuggling of marijuana for use in uh, in Europe. So, this is the type of businesses we are now uh, right. dealing with. Uh, on one end, heavily regulated, which is crime by itself. Zaev is obviously abusing his position as prime minister to advance his family business, and on the other, 
it will definitely lead to smuggling. Wow. Well, this is, um, and I've got a, I'm going to put out an article, I think, on Tuesday um, about Big Mike and, and his life and everything else because I really want, I want, you know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not going to take any position in this article or in this podcast on the issue of um, cannabis oil. I've seen various studies and read various things about that that can be helpful and whatnot. I don't know. I, I simply don't know. I haven't read enough or done enough. Mm. But, but um, I think the point is this man, Mike, whatever his last name is, Big Mike, mm-hmm. Marijuana Don, is a man of low character. And the fact that Zayev met with him but didn't want to say anything, he knew that, that what we're talking about would get out. Uh, and that's not the kind of person or company that you want investing uh, or even being in Macedonia. Mm. You know, I think there's a, there's a joke in here somewhere. Matthew Palmer, Alexander Soros, and Big Mike go into Zoran Zayev's <laughs> office. Ta-da, ta-da. Okay. Um, yeah, so... What, what a crew. What, what a bunch of low Exactly. And uh, Alexander was here, curiously, uh, exactly at the time when uh, we had a spike in migrants coming into Greece. Uh, like, uh, was it hundreds? Uh, I think like in high hundreds, uh, fl- flooding the Lesbos, the island of Lesbos which the islands are already overcrowded. And we know that this was Soros' big thing. The, the Soros leaks show that he was getting daily reports on uh, the flows of migrants in and out of Macedonia in 2015 and 2016. So now we have uh, deja vu all over again. Uh, the Italian government is being brought down by the same means used to bring down the uh, Berlusconi government. Uh, and... Um, uh, it seems that, uh, you know, we see a livening up of the migrant uh, situation. And the Greek government, even though this is now a conservative government and it said it's going to protect the borders, yada, 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 their first decision was that the islands are, the situation in the islands is untenable and they want to bring 10,000 migrants from the islands into the northern part of Greece, into southern Macedonia or Aegean Macedonia. And obviously this is the worst thing you can do. If you want to keep the the route closed, because as soon as they're in on the on dry land on on the mainland, they're gonna make a beeline for the border, uh, and once you know migrants waiting in Turkey in Syria realize what's happening, they're gonna say, okay, great, uh, they're reactivating the ferries taking us from Lesbos, Kos, these large islands back to Piraeus to Athens, and then we'll take it from there. So. Uh, it's cruel, but the best way to keep the route closed is to keep uh, the people in Lesbos uh, and, you know, wait for news that conditions are poor and, more importantly, that the, uh, there is no getting anywhere from Lesbos further toward Greece, uh, toward Germany, that you are stuck on the island, and this discourages new people from coming onto the island. Once you start moving them from the island onto the mainland, a new batch is going to come. Uh, likely more than the 10,000 they want to move from the islands onto the mainland. So, yeah, we might, uh, we might have some new developments in the, on this front uh, soon. That is something that we need to, to continue to monitor. Um, well, let's see. Uh, you know, I mentioned in the uh, opening monologue there, Independence Day is next Sunday, mm-hmm. September 8th. Uh, Macedonia is 20... What is this? 20... Eighth birthday, uh, 28th, 28th yeah. birthday. Yeah, um, 
this is going to be interesting. Um, this will be the first Independence Day since these quote-unquote so-called PRESPA agreement is in effect. I see that uh, Nikola Dimitrov met with the new Greek foreign minister, Nikos Dendias, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, and uh, the Greek foreign minister said, uh, I made it absolutely clear to Mr. Dimitrov that Greece will insist on the agreement's strict implementation. Uh, and yet, and so one of those one of those things, the uh, the strict implementation, of course, is the removal, as we talked about last week uh, and in the past, uh, in episode number one of the the uh, the Macedonian star of Kuitlesh uh, from all the public, literally from the public square. Uh, we use the phrase the public square, you know, in, in when we talk about um, the civic engagement and the ability to to talk, you know, in in, in the, the public sphere. But we use the public square. Um, but it literally it's being removed, and then I saw, and, and so this, I think we talked about it last week, will lead to a backlash. It is leading to a backlash. It will continue to be a backlash. People will be using it more and more in all kinds of public spaces. I saw that some guerrilla sure. guerilla group, there's a little, uh, in Gradsky Park in Skopje, uh, City <laughs> yeah. Park, there's a, yeah. this band, lack of a better word, this white band shell, you know, where the little performances <laughs> are done, and some group painted the flag, on on the back of it is that am i remembering that uh, correctly i think i saw an article on it yeah it's like a concrete uh, yeah. like a miniature podium for concerts for some reason it's considered an iconic place in the park yeah. for lack of more iconic things to see there we call it skolka the clan okay. and somebody and, uh, uh, it, uh, well initially it was painted with uh, like artsy graffiti and yeah. stuff and then uh, somebody in town hall had the smart idea of painting it white mm -hmm. And then, obviously, a, a group working on Facebook uh, painted the flag. Initially, I'm not sure about the first picture, if it's legit, but uh, then it was repainted, apparently, to cover up the star of Kutlash, which <laughs> these guys painted on it. And then they definitely they painted a, a smaller version. And now, like in those jokes, you've seen those when, uh, you know, somebody paints a, a penis on a, on a facade and then they just paint... <laughs> over the contours of the penis and it's still showing. <laughs> so in this case, somebody painted over the flag and it's, uh, but over the contours, they didn't want to waste too much paint. So now you can tell that something was painted there and somebody's trying to cover it up. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Um, I, um, yeah, I, I've, I've actually had my own, um, um, engaged in my own guerrilla activities when I was a college student in terms of paint mm -hmm. in public places. Uh, the uh, the leftists on campus uh, here at the University of Arizona spray painted on sidewalks and things like that a, basically a, a, a outline of a of a hand a human hand and it said U S out of Central America this is uh -huh. way back when during you know Contra and the and the Sandinistas of Nicaragua etc so what we did was we took a stencil and we just added an S R to the U S so it said USSR out of Central America. <laughs> so we weren't actually defacing yeah, public property. We were just adding to that. Um, but um, but improving. we were improving it, exactly. Yeah, yes. I, yeah I've done a bunch of those things. <laughs> so, uh, so this is, this is fantastic. I, I, I hope these... Uh, yeah, I once painted over yeah. the, the, five, the, the communist star on the, one of the monuments in Skopje uh, of the defenders, <laughs> uh, of the liberators of Skopje, and it has the communist star, but... Uh, I think it's, you still can't see it well because I painted it over like 10, 15 years ago. But I guess the the paint stuck inside the the pores of the of the stone. Oh, that's funny. <laughs>
And so then, and then now, then we see the um, Kumanovo City Council, I believe, um, put a a oh, sticker yeah, of the the original flag, the star Kutlesh, on their on the backs of their laptops. Um, and then the was yeah. it the president of the city council that uh, berated them for that? There was a video going around. Yeah, she's the president of the council. Yeah. Okay. What did the, and, the assembly is the president of the council? Naturally. And and what what did she say in a nutshell, basically? What and what what did what did she say uh, about the, uh, the the council members who dared to defy the government? Oh, it was the Vimero council members who placed the star of Kutlash on their laptops, uh, like stickers. And she was very in your face, very authoritarian. She was like, from on high, she was citing the uh, clauses of the Prespa Treaty, all the while using Republic of Macedonia instead of Republic of North Macedonia. Under the treaty, <laughs> she was telling them, you're violating the law. We, uh, you want to undermine the rules, the regulations of our country, etc. Uh, you, you know, you might imagine her, you know, calling the police and the council members for an act of uh, self-expression and uh, using a symbol. Someone is the SM on their, some stupider people on their Twitters uh, are even going further. They're, they're actually calling it a fascist symbol. And they're trying to make it like a symbol of huge nationalism and how the Prespa Treaty has defeated Macedonian nationalism, where in fact it has only encouraged and... Uh, um, encouraged and appeased Greek nationalism in reality. So, uh, but yeah, there uh, it was very. It was a very ugly episode. She had, she was the star of Facebook that day. Everybody was sharing the video of her uh, threatening and cajoling and uh, uh, being in the faces of uh, of the opposition members of the Kumanova Council and just frankly demeaning her own country. It's, it's really ugly. Yeah, and and. And and the, and the best part of it, Svetin, what is her first name? Yeah, <laughs> the lady's called uh, Athena. <laughs> Athena. <laughs> her, her, her given name is a violation of the Presbyterian Treaty. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic! Yeah. Oh my god! Well, and I, and I think it's I think it's useful. Again, you know, repetition is is useful in some aspects because it it drives into you know my mind, your mind, whoever's listening or reading or whatever, you know. We remember things through repetition and through study, and this is um, that that symbol, the star of of, of Kutlesh, um, Other people know it as the star of Regina, uh, is found throughout Macedonia mm -hmm. uh, on objects that are dug up in the ground, on uh, cultural artifacts. It's in churches, going back, you know, well over a hundred years, mm -hmm. hundred and fifty years or more. Uh, it's found in Greece as well. We should mention that as well. Um, and but it was it was not until 1977 1978 during the excavations in what is present day Greece uh, in uh, yeah. Vergina by the Greek um, uh, archaeologist uh, Manolos Andronikos mm -hmm. that he found that symbol on some um, gold uh, golden sarcophagi which it's still debated whether or not that's the tomb of Philip the yeah. second uh, or others I'm not going to get into a debate on that. But the point is, he is the only one who made the assertion that that was therefore a royal symbol of the ancient Macedonian household. Mm -hmm. um, it, that, that, but that issue is debated. And so my point is, however, that that symbol is found throughout Macedonia, long before Manolos Andronikos uh, found it uh, in Greece. 
And so, since it is found throughout Macedonia, literally dug up from items in the ground, it belongs to the Macedonian people. The Greeks can use it as well. It belongs to them too. Fine. You cannot ban it, which is what the government of the Republic of Macedonia under Zoran Zaev and Nikola Dimitrov have tried to do. And as I said in the opening monologue, again, when Nikola Dimitrov was the Macedonian ambassador of the United States, uh, in 2002, and this was in response to, I think it was at the time, the state of Illinois trying to pass a, a resolution at the state level saying that, you know, Macedonia is Greek, blah, blah, blah. And Dimitrov said, and this is in the Chicago Sun-Times, quote, matters of history are for historians to answer. They cannot be answered by political resolution or declaration, unquote. And yet today, this is a, that's a, what he did in signing the so-called Prespa Agreement is an absolute violation of what he said uh, 18 years ago. So, uh... ah. Yeah, despite my, my efforts with the uh, spray paint, uh, we haven't banned the communist <laughs> symbols. We actually had the communist star on our coat of arms until recently. I still have it on my yeah. passport. Which reminds me, I have to renew it before they start issuing those with the uh, Republic of North Macedonia. Uh, and uh, <laughs> you can see even, I mean, I'm not sure if the swastika is legally, or, or uh, yeah, the, the swastika symbol, if it's legally banned in Macedonia. Uh, mein Kampf is uh, sold freely in uh, uh, bookstores, etc. And we're banning sold on uh, Amazon. this symbol, we're banning... Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Uh, but we're banning the, the star of Kutlesh as some kind of uh, a nationalist symbol or, uh, or something. It was found in Greece. It was found on territory which Greece occupied like barely 100 years ago. And uh, right. as you said, it's been found throughout history, buried there millennia ago. So, you know, for Greeks to insist on full exclusivity on the symbol, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. And the fact that we... Uh, Zayev's government signed on to this. It's just, uh, you know, the humiliations are never going to end. As soon as no, not uh, Greece or Bulgaria politically, domestically need some some issue to fight over, they're just going to raise, uh, raise them again and again. And welcome back to the Macedonian Content Farmers Podcast. This is Tvitin Shelimanov, and uh, we have Jason Mik online from Arizona. And uh, last week we didn't have any farmers picks, and uh, this week we're having a joint one. Uh, it's actually a well-deserved one. Uh, Jason, you want to tell us what it's about? Yes, it's the Macedonian documentary Honeyland. Uh, will be the uh, it's the Macedonia's pick uh, for the best international feature category for the 92nd Academy Awards. Uh, apparently, it was um, at Sundance earlier this year, picked up for North American distribution, yep. um, and uh, so it, I, uh, it's, it has been making its way around the U.S. Uh, I have not seen it. Have you seen it? Uh, no. Yeah, it's, uh, I, uh, yeah about, and again, uh, it's, it's a documentary. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah it's the story about uh, an elderly uh, lady living in a small Turkish hamlet, like five people live there, uh, near uh, Stip. Uh, and uh, she's like uh, tending to, she's actually not, not tending, she's 
looking up and uh, finding these wild uh, bee uh, beehives uh, around uh, the hills, and she's producing this beyond organic honey. It's it's uh, <laughs> extracted from the, from the wild essentially. Uh, it's a completely you know we have these Turkish villages across the country in some of the most uh, inaccessible uh, parts, uh, living completely isolated from from the rest of the of the country and they are actually you know she's actually living uh, she lives uh, she lived with her mother at the time the, the mother died after the filming and um, like completely 17th century <laughs> style of living and it's apparently well told story and uh, very well uh, filmed with <laughs> I think they received, uh, they, they were given a bunch of awards at Sundance, I believe for filming and uh, because, it's, you know, you, you can tell by cinematography the, the, story, the, the lighting, yeah. the, the scenery is really outstanding. Yes, and I think it took several years to make. Yeah, that's uh, the, the strong point. Uh, yeah, and I actually, I just noticed, I'm looking it up, believe it or not, Sven, it's playing at one of the local theaters here in town. <laughs> In Tucson, Seriously? so <laughs> yes, I'm, 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 I've got it. It's it's at our it's oh, at yeah. our um, our quote unquote arts theater here in town. So uh, I'm going to go see it this week, and mm -hmm. I would encourage all of our listeners if they have the yeah, chance to go see it. The last, yeah, the last uh, Macedonian film I saw was uh, almost a year ago in Toronto at the Macedonian Film Festival, The Secret Ingredient, which was hilarious. Uh, uh -huh. But um, and if you haven't seen that, I would mm -hmm. I would recommend that as well. Um, but yeah, that's a it's a good joint uh, farmers pick for us for this week. Uh, the one thing I don't like about the movie is that all the usual suspects, uh, the diplomats here, they've been overpraising it, and I'm getting this vibe that it's moving in uh, uh, Tamara and Eurovision territory slowly. Hopefully, oh. it's not the case, but uh, uh, they're overpraising it. Uh, and using north, yeah. north, 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 as they do so. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, that's yeah, that's going to be one of their. Well, that is a a full wrap. Um, covered a lot of ground. Next week, I know we'll cover a lot of ground as well. And uh, in the meantime, um, I hope uh, Macedonia's children begin a excellent week of school for this new school year. Yeah, we're going to have to keep our eyes open on what they're actually teaching them now under the... <laughs> the oh, yes, regime. of course, yes. All right, yeah, okay, right back into it. Um, yeah, we'll have to monitor... Yeah, the government, of course, is going to be changing all the school books, textbooks, maps, atlases, and teaching guides. So, uh, yeah, all right, well, never a dull moment. Yeah, we'll have our hands full uh, uh, getting them to unlearn what they, what they learned at school. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of another article I'm working on but anyway um, alright yeah. been great talking to you as always Fenton you too buddy take care and greetings to all the listeners alright we'll see you bye